Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau. I sat down with Marcus Chris earlier this week at the Warriors Team Hotel in Beverly Hills. We discussed a wide range of issues, from his troubles in Phoenix, to the perception that he's a malcontent, to his early success with Golden State. We start our conversation by talking about his new fan, HBO's John Oliver, who spoke passionately about Chris during his comments about Rockets GM Daryl Morey's controversial tweet backing Hong Kong protesters. We'll have our conversation right after the break. Do you want to be angry at him? How about the fact he traded away power forward Marquise Chris as part of a three-team deal with the Kings and the Cavaliers back in February? Chris is 6'10", with a 7-foot wingspan, plays way above the rim and can mix it up in the post. Yes, granted, he's had his issues on the Suns, I'm not denying that. But he's the exact type of athletic big man that could have balanced out Westbrook and Harden, especially when he's coming off the bench for PJ Tucker. What I'm saying is, Daryl, your tweet about Hong Kong was totally fine, nothing to apologise for there, but when it comes to Marquise Chris, you're fucked up, Daryl! And I'm not even a Rockets fan! I'm just a fan of competent mid-season roster moves. I thought it was funny, man. Um, nah, I just I appreciate what he said about me. You know, aside from what he said about Daryl, I just I appreciate the support that he gave me. You know, because um, not a lot of people who are who are willing to just go out of their way to say something about somebody they don't know. Like I've never met that man. I've never spoken to him, and you know he said positive things about me, and I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, he obviously said some things about Daryl that, you know, I, I wouldn't say personally and I wouldn't vouch for those words. Those are the words that he, he chose to say. Um, but no, like I said, I'm appreciative for his support and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just it's funny to see that and, and hear what he had to say. Did, so they, was that your first time seeing it? Nah. I'm sure I, you saw it on nah, Twitter. Yeah, everybody like... was tagging me in on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I really couldn't. I couldn't retweet it or post it or anything right. just because the words and things that he had to say. But it was funny. I, I found it funny. Was it Steve that played it, or just? It was just all the all the coaches that played it in the in the film room before we uh, watched clips. Uh, one thing that is kind of interesting about the Warriors is it feels like every year they have an example of a guy who maybe didn't get a ton of interest in free agency or whatever, and, and ends up having an important role in the team. Last year was Alfonso McKinney. There's Ian Clark. There's a bunch of other examples in years past. Do you think that says something about the Warriors that they're kind of they're open to mm-hmm. you know maybe other teams that are over a guy, but they they're they're willing to see that potential? Yeah, I mean, I think it shows, and that's why they win is uh, they're willing to develop their players. You know, obviously, I've been in some situations where um, I would just say willingness wasn't there. Um, you know, I think that they're 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 there to give people chances, and they understand that it takes time. And you know, in their system, it, it it's not hard to pick up. So they they surround you and put you in position to succeed. Um, you know, so I'm just thankful to them for giving me an opportunity. Obviously, you've been on a few teams now. Mm-hmm. How how is the environment with the Warriors different? It's way different, man. Uh, it's positivity all around. You know, even. Even when things aren't going as well, you know, nobody's really pointing fingers and, you know, getting frustrated. It, it, it's, I would say this is probably the most family-oriented team that I've been on. And, you know, like I said, it shows they win and they continue to win and they're just always competitive every year. Phoenix was 
kind of an interesting situation because obviously you, you had some early success there. I remember a couple of really good games you had against the Warriors. We were all rookie team. It seemed like everything was trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. What happened there? Um, I mean, they would be a better person to ask. It. I don't. It caught me off guard. I was uh, I was at the facility working out and found out I got traded and didn't didn't hear from them till the next day. So I mean. It's a business at the end of the day. They felt that they, they they would be going in a better direction moving on from me, and, you know, that's their decision. Did you – did they give any explanation for why they traded you? Or did you – I mean, I didn't, I didn't ask. I didn't need one. But, like I said, I'm thankful that they made the decision that they made because going to Houston, I thought it was going to be a great fit. You know, they, they felt otherwise, and they put me in a position where I went to Cleveland, and Cleveland gave me an opportunity to show a little something before free agency. Did, did, did that kind of wear on your mood at all? Does, like, when you're not enjoying the game as much, does that kind of affect other aspects of your life? It's just, you know. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it didn't. Uh, but I'm the type of person where I don't I don't take things beyond basketball, you know what I mean? Like, like I, at the end of the day, it is a game, you know what I mean? And I'm never going to let it affect the way that I treat me, my, myself or treat my family or, you know, treat my loved ones. So, um it would bother me, but I would never let it, it, it bother me to where I would outwardly show it. You know, so I'm, I'm the type of person I keep things to myself and I handle things internally before I go ask people to, to fix my problems. One thing I've learned just covering the league for a while now is the power of a narrative. Like, mm-hmm. once, once a narrative gets out there on a mm-hmm. guy, fair or not, it's hard to shake that. Sure. And it can really affect your ability to get jobs mm-hmm. and... Um, and obviously, for whatever reason, there was a narrative out there that you were petulant or immature. Mm. And talking to Steve, talking to people in the organization, they don't see that at all. Yeah. They say that you're very coachable and they give a high basketball IQ. And yeah. They love your passing ability and all these things. Where do you? How did you handle that? Knowing that you know maybe it got a little bit blown out of proportion, and mm. and that that affected you, your your ability to get opportunities um you know I mean obviously they they start somewhere you know I mean and it's not like it's not like it it wasn't true at first you know and things like that and I I was a mature kid you know and people would be lying if they said that that the 19 year olds coming into the NBA aren't you know I mean I I got drafted and I was still 18 right I I didn't turn 19 until summer league um so it was just an adjustment for me, and obviously I've grown up, I've learned a lot, but you know, it, there's always going to be a scapegoat um, for for a bigger problem, and I felt that I, I at one point I was that scapegoat, and you know they they got rid of me, and you know the problem still stood. So I I think that that was just kind of the thing that I just had to live with was, was that somebody has to get blamed for it, and you know they they cleaned house and. You know, it stuck with me, and it was something that that I've I've tried to, you know, prove to people and show people that that's not really who I am. You know, people say that that I'm disrespectful and you know I don't listen and things like that. But you know, I've never been told that that's true. You know, uh, I, I'm I'm a competitive person. And yeah. I I'll admit sometimes I let it get the best of me. Yeah. Um, but I'm never a disrespectful person. I, I I respect authority. I respect people who. You know who are above me and people who are below me too. I don't. I don't outwardly try to to disrespect anybody or belittle anyone, and that's just not how I was raised. So I've never been that way. It's just people 
people take what they see and they, they see I'm, a, I'm an outwardly expressive type of person uh, on the basketball court and they, they, they take that at, and make that my personality when uh, I'm a quiet person. I just keep to myself. I like to laugh. I just be chilling. So. How, how tough of a transition was it to the NBA as a guy who's 18 years old, mm-hmm. you keep making millions of dollars, you're in, you're in a different city, you had mentioned, you had mentioned yesterday that, you know, time early in your career that it was uh, there were struggles on the court and also off. Were you alluding to just the transition or the learning curve? What, what, what were you um, kind of alluding to? It was, I was just unhappy. Um, would you say you were depressed, maybe? Or I wouldn't point? even put the word depressed on it. I just, I would say I was unhappy. Um, you know, it was a lot going on. It was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, a lot of coaching change and you know it was weighing on me because it started to affect my playing time and you know it was affecting how I was playing and uh, you know I kind of had to take a step back and just realize that I'm not going to let anybody else affect the way that I feel uh, you know because nobody controls my emotions but me so um, you know it was just tough you know obviously being 19 20 years old and I'm, I'm, I'm by myself with my best friend and then I'm not going to talk to my best friend about, you know, being sad all day and things like that. So Is that just, your roommate or? Nah, my, yeah, he lives with me, but he's, he's my best friend. A friend from home? Yeah. What was his name? His name's James Fox. Okay. Uh, friend from high school or? Yeah, I had two friends. His name's James Fox and then Ricky Van Helden. Did um, they move out there just to kind of help you with the transition? Yeah. Uh, they moved out there with me and they just went to school and stuff. Um, like, like community college or Arizona State? Yeah, they were doing online classes. One of them was doing online classes for... Uh, Folsom Lake, and then the other one was doing online classes for Sac State. Uh-huh. Um, and then they eventually ended up getting in-state tuition because we were there for a year, so then they did online classes uh, in Arizona. Um, yeah, but they were there for me. I mean, it was just, I'm not the type of person to, to reach out to people and ask them to try to fix all my problems, like I said, you know, so it was... It was tough for me to, to acknowledge the fact that, that um, I had to make myself happy and I couldn't rely on, you know, other people to provide me the happiness. How did you find that? Um, I just, I, I really had to talk to my mom. And my mom just put it in perspective for me like that, saying that I, I, I can't depend on anybody, you know, to, to make me happy. I'm the one who has to make myself happy, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm the only person who can change my emotions. Now the narrative is positive, or yeah. it's, it's trending in the right direction. Yeah. One, one thing that... I've been impressed by, and I know Steve has been impressed by, it's just your passing ability. Like, mm-hmm. I, he, he mentioned a stat that I think after the second preseason game, you had 13 screen assists in a game, in that second game, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is that uh, is that like a something you think you've always had in your game, or do you think you just haven't had a, a chance to show it, given the systems you've been in before? Um, I mean, I, I've always been the type of person to create for other people since I was in high school. I, I've never been a selfish player. Um, I like passing the ball. I like getting people open. I like having, seeing my friends have fun, you know. Excuse me. Um, but that's just how I am. I mean, if I see an opportunity to try to help somebody else get a shot or get open, you know, I'm going to try to do that. Um, and, you know, being in this system, it makes it easy. Uh, it's just a lot of DHOs, a lot of pin downs and things like that. It's a lot of movement. And, you know, I think just being able to understand the, where people are at on the floor and the, the, the spacing and basketball just makes it easier. Do you do you think that everything, I mean, as tough as t- certain times have been, do you think everything kind of needed to happen for you to Absolutely. be in the position you're in today? And yeah. 
Um, I really appreciate the position you're in today. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I don't ever regret anything that I've been through because it made me who I am. Um, you know, I might regret the way that I might have handled some situations, but I don't regret any situation that I've been in because, you know, it, you have to go through things to get where you want to be. Um, you know, and ultimately I want to be an NBA and be a successful NBA player as long as I can. And, you know, going through those things early, I would rather go through them then than go through them later on. So, And uh, obviously nothing's nothing's official Yet, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just say my personal opinion. If someone's around the team every day, I'd be shocked if you didn't make the team. <laughs> um, but uh, how how do you feel like the t- your teammates have handled what could be an awkward situation? You know, obviously a lot of these guys know that you're going to, if you make the team, you're taking someone's spot. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have they handled that? I mean, nobody's brought it up. I, I don't think they've, they've treated it like that. I don't think anybody's thinking like that you know even though that is the business of the game and that is what it has that's what has to happen you know um you know nobody's mood nobody's emotions have changed everybody's treated me the same since I got here um you know and I think like I said it's just the most family oriented team that I've probably been on um and they just you know they still embrace me and treat me like like I'm on the team already you know and you know, like I said, nothing's official. You right. know, I, I could end up somewhere else, right. um, you know, and I could just not, not be anywhere. So, you know, it, it's, it's about managing your emotions, I think, and not getting too high and too low. So, you know, um, we all support each other, and we're, we're there for each other, and, you know, we want to see each other succeed. But based off, um, obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but just based mm-hmm. off the past few weeks, is this? do you see this as a place that, you could want to be long-term? like Sure. I mean, that was why I came here. Um, I felt like I would fit in fit in playing here. Um, you know, and I feel like their coaches are, are, you know, amazing coaches and they develop their players and things like that. So I felt like being here would be the best thing for my career. Cool, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate Good you. Good talking to you. All right. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.